today I'd like for us to take a few minutes and be willing to be confronted with delusions of grandeur and be confronted with reality and then turn around and say, well, thank you, Brother Haman, you introduced me to the real me. I'd like to say welcome to the real you, everyone. Welcome to the real you. So while you're finding your places, I want to say thank you to Brother Sam Kelly for teaching Tuesday night in my absence and all of those who've been teaching on Tuesday nights. You, listen, you don't want to miss Tuesday night. Let's remain standing for the reading of the word. I should have said you can return to your standing positions. When I said return to your seats, it made everybody think, well, if they're going to go back to their seat, I already have a seat. I'm just going to sit down. I, you know, it really occurs to me, I, we don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with uh, uh, the uh, Delta variant, COVID-19. We don't know what's going to happen with the, with the uh, continued, it would seem, spread of the virus, COVID-19, and so forth. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I want you to know that we are having great services here on Tuesday nights, and it's easy just to slough them off and say that's just a Tuesday night. I would like to invite you and your families all to be here at 7 p.m. on Tuesday because it is a powerful time of in-depth study of the Word, going a little deeper potentially than we do on Sunday mornings and hopefully whetting the appetite of everybody to get involved because I believe we all should be teachers. And so the time, I pray, will come when just virtually anybody will be available and able to stand up and speak and teach. That should be our goal as true apostolic, Pentecostal, holiness spirit. I like calling the Holy Spirit the holiness spirit. <laughs> I really do because it's not my spirit, it's not your spirit, it's a holiness spirit. And what it does, the action is behind those words, holiness spirit. But anyway, Tuesday night, uh, Brother Sam, appreciate him teaching. Great Quayar, thank you for leading the family Focus prayer on Thursday. And uh, uh, we have prayer meetings here on Thursdays at 7 o'clock p.m. churchwide. And uh, that is coming up again this Thursday. Brother Ben and Sister Stacy kicking off Calvary Academy PTF. Their hard work. It's going to be a great year for the school tomorrow, Lord willing. We will be there to uh, give the keynote address to kick off the school year as the year, school year begins. Today, I know we've already read the scripture but I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the following verse. You'll find it in your Bibles. And how about I just do you a favor and we jet tour through several verses and see if you can catch the theme behind these verses, okay? Isn't that cool? Everybody good? See if you can catch a theme behind these. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believe every word. But the prudent considers well his steps. The prudent considers well his steps. Okay, now try not to forget that. Bookmark that. Prudent considers well his steps. Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to his word, it is because there is no light in them. Speaking of the priests, who are speaking false prophecies. It's because there's no light in them if they're not speaking according to this word. Hebrews 12, 15, Look, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Notice those first few words, looking carefully. James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And now the concluding verse for our opening today, 2 Corinthians 13.5 and 6. Watch this. Matter of fact, could I get you just to read it together with me loudly? Let's just belt it out. If we can sing as loud as we sing, pray as loud as we pray, how about we say the word of the Lord loudly? You ready? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says these words. Let's read it. Examine yourselves 
as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Disqualified disqualified is in the King James Version, reprobate. Most people don't understand what reprobate means, it, but in the New King James, it's clear. It's clear. It means disqualified. That means there's, you can't make it. It means you're not going to make it. It means heaven will never be your home and you are not in the right place spiritually. But right here, we're told to be sure that doesn't happen to us. We need to be sure that we examine ourselves. It says, read it again, verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves in Jesus' name. I want you all to be able to look at yourself following today's message and think, wow, I want to be constantly introduced every opportunity and possibility and be the real me God created me to be. Not somebody else and not under some false illusion, but I really want to be what God and who God created me to be. We are to examine ourselves, test ourselves. So today, welcome to the real you. That's the title that I, I am hoping is our goal. All right? How about we join together in a word of prayer for the Lord to help us to take the mirror of the word like this right here? and hold it up to ourselves like a mirror? Are you all ready? I don't know if you're ready for this. This is a little confrontational. But let's look at ourselves through the mirror of the Word. We just read it. Remember, it says, looking into the perfect law of liberty? Amen. That's the mirror. That's the mirror. So let's pray together for the mirror of the Word to be clean, shiny, unfiltered. And God, I pray in your name today that you'd give us all revelation. And let the spirit of revelation be in this sanctuary today. God, I pray for all those Sunday school classes that are being hosted right now. Lord, I pray for all of our students, student ministries. Thank you, Lord God, for every ministry of Calvary, God. And gathered in this house, Jesus, we recognize we can't do nothing without you, Lord. Would you just raise your hand and raise your voice and say, God, I can't do nothing without you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. But I'm so glad I have access to the power that works inside. Jesus' name. You're welcome to take your seats. Thank you for standing. Thank you, Brother McHugh, for helping us with the service. Brother Don, thank you for helping with leadership of the service behind the scenes. So very, very grateful. You and the team. Praise God. Headline says, police. Gunman claims he was high on mushrooms when he randomly killed a man in Miami Beach. Tamarius Blair Davis Jr. of Norcross, Georgia, faces charges of second-degree murder and attempted second-degree murder. According to the arrest report, Davis confessed to shooting at both victims randomly and said he was high on mushrooms, which made him feel empowered. This was four days ago. He was high on mushrooms, which made him feel empowered. There was a guy sitting at a table with all of his family, kids and everything, a witness said, and he was right there. He shot the guy like three times. Relatives identified the man who was killed as Dustin Wakefield 21 years old of Castle Rock, Colorado. He met his bride of just a few years at one of our favorite hamburger places in Castle Rock. We may have encountered him there because he was a, an employee at Crave Burgers in Castle Rock. And so this really hits close to home that, that a precious life was senselessly taken Because of delu delusion of grandeur. A delusion of grandeur. 
Delusions or false beliefs come in several types. And they're when you believe that you have more power, more wealth, more smarts, or other grand traits than is really true. It's called delusions of grandeur. Some delusions might be about events that possibly could have happened but actually didn't or were exaggerated. Other delusions are just simply bizarre, like, hey, yeah, man, I got an alien in my refrigerator. Lives there all the time. Turns the light on when I'm opening the door. Turns it off when I close. But here's what's concerning. Even some healthy people can hold unreasonably high opinions of themselves. But unlike them, someone with grandiose delusions is unshakably convinced that their delusions are true. For example, you might believe that you are a multimillionaire, or you found a cure for cancer, or you're related to a Hollywood celebrity. The list goes on and on and on. Symptoms include changing in the mood. You may be irritable, angry, or feel low. So, I'm hoping that just if you're feeling irritable, angry, or low, it does not mean you're about to feel empowered today and be nuts, go crazy on us. But it is a scary thought that the brain is so capable and so vulnerable that it can be it can be overtaken by delusion. So, today it's come to my mind the word that is used from the ancient Greek in the medical field that is the word defined, here's the definition before I say the word. The definition is an inability or refusal to recognize a defect or a disorder that is clinically true, clinically evident. You, you have this inability or refusal to just recognize, I need to do this, I need to take my medicine, I need to do this therapy, I need to go here, I need to wear this, I need to do that, I need to be under a doctor's care. No, this word is the word that means basically, I'm fine, leave me alone. That word is anosognosia. Anosognosia. It's well known that many people with serious mental illnesses like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, they don't take their prescribed medication. One major reason for this behavior is anosognosia. And the word itself, it's a big word, sounds a little confusing, onosognosia. Greek word, it translates roughly into these words in English. Are you ready? Here's what anosognosia means. Without knowledge of disease. It means to be sick and not believe you're sick. Refusing to acknowledge. You, you might also hear it called lack of insight. But what it boils down to is the person is unaware of their condition and unable to accept it, and will look you in the eye with medical results, with true reports that they are really sick, but they will look you in the eye and say, that is not true, I am not sick. So, delusions of grandeur, anosognosia, how does that all hit you? I was trying to figure out, Lord, why did you wake me up the other day and start making me think these thoughts about me, because it starts, it started with me. I started thinking to myself, God, who really am I? Am I who other people think I am? And so I listen to them and I listen to what they say, so that makes me what they think I am. And then it occurred to me, my wife and I have both, both been so stirred about this story of the of the shooting in Miami, of kids, the, the people on vacation, and the young man being killed right there at the dinner table with his family. And I got to thinking, man, he got killed by somebody who was completely out of his head, who wouldn't have done it otherwise. 
And I got to thinking, wow, this makes me really want to know the real me. I don't know if it hits you like that, but it hits me like this. I really want to know who I am and what makes me tick. And I want to make sure that together as we are listening and you're sitting and hopefully responding and engaged today, that we can work together through some scriptures and pray to get to welcome to the real you. So the true and only way for us to really overcome self-imposed delusion is confronting our mess, confronting our distress, confronting our conflict, confronting our potential lack of acceptance and acknowledgement that we really have a need, and confronting it with God's Word. That's why you're in church today. I, I, if you're not here for the church, if you're not here for the word of God and you're just here for some other reason, can I pull you in and say, okay, really, this is why we are here. We're here because we have the truth of the ages between the pages of your Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And we've already read the scriptures that go right on down through James 1.25 that says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that is someone who we will be blessed in what he does. That is an individual who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and says, I'm not going to just be a hearer, but I'm going to jump up and get into gear. I'm going to go into action. I'm going to become an engaged participant in God's kingdom. I'm not coming to church just because what's going on on Sunday and what's going on on Tuesday, what's going on on Thursday, but I'm in church for something a whole lot bigger than that. I thank God for church services, and this is the fuel behind our service to God. But if this is the only reason you consider yourselves to be a church person, may I introduce you to a much bigger and a better reason, and that is that God Almighty has a continuation in mind for you and a life of blessing. He says if you will not be a good-for-hearer, but you'll be a doer, you'll be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed in what you do? Not only will you be blessed, but you will have power working within you. And not only will you have power working within you, but you will be ready for the rapture when the rapture takes place and you will not be damned to hellfire. You will be watching and waiting and ready and excited. And folks, none of this has to do with being scared of hell. This has everything to do with being ready to do what God says to do because we love him too much to fail him. And we want to please him with everything we do. And in Jesus' name, we're doing what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Yet another, yet another explanation of this syndrome, this disease, this problem, or issue I'm talking about here today is introspection illusion. Now, introspection is important. Is that what we're talking about? Let a, let's examine ourselves, right? But isn't it sad if we are doing our best to have introspection, but we're doing it under illusion? <laughs> now, doctors call this introspection illusion, illusion which is a cognitive bias in which people like you and me, if we're not careful, wrongly think we have direct insight into the origins of our mental state while treating others' introspections as unreliable. This illusion has been examined in psychological experiments and suggested as a basis for biases in how people compare themselves to others. These experiments have been interpreted as suggesting that rather than offering direct access to the processes underlying mental states, introspection is a process of construction and inference, things that are made up, such as people indirectly infer others' mental states from their behavior, trying to explain them because of me. 
When people mistake unreliable introspection for genuine self-knowledge, the result is an illusion of superiority over other people. For example, when each person thinks they're less biased and less conformist than the rest of the group. Even when experimental subjects are provided reports of other subjects and, subjects and their introspections, they still rate those other introspections as unreliable while they treat their own as reliable. Although the hypothesis of an introspection illusion informs some psychological research, the existing evidence is arguably inadequate to decide how reliable introspection is in normal circumstances. In certain situations, this illusion leads people to make confident but, so but false explanations of their own behavior because they have inaccurate predictions of their future mental states. Correction for this bias may be possible through education about the bias and its unconscious nature. Mm. I just might have an underlying bias because I'm comparing myself among others. And I am coming up with this thing that makes me feel inferior to them, so I want to shrink away. Superior to them, so I want to be a ruler over them. Or it just is completely inaccurate, whatever the case may be, and I fall prey to that estimation because I haven't been introduced to the real and the correct and the unfailing true power of introspection from the Word of God. Again, you may be under false pretenses and false understandings about who you are if you have let time go by between your acknowledging yourself through the reflective lens of the Word of God. How do I look? What is really making me tick? So, incorrect, impure, unholy reflections cause further depravity, and I go further and further from truth and reality. And if I'm not aware of what's happening, I get to be simply more and more prideful. Typically, that is the, what, that is the symptom of what happens. And pride adds to pride. And one pride layer adds to another pride layer. And before you know it, there's so much pride, it's almost impossible to retract any race and go backwards towards humility. So that's a dangerous place to be, a very dangerous place to be. Jeremiah 17.9 is a good place to start if we're going to open up our Bibles and use it as a mirror. Let's look. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay? Isn't that pretty much everything I just said? Who can know it? Are we looking at the same verse, 17.9 of Jeremiah? The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Now, not mine, so I'm going to head on to Applebee's and I'll see y'all there. I'm good. No, this is not, this, listen, this is not for a few. This is not for a segment. The Lord hasn't given me a message to target some people, somebody. The Lord has given me a message to target myself. Can I just, just be open and, and honest in front of you and say, I am I feel the hounds of hell chomping at my, biting at my heels all the time if I'm not careful and I'm not continuously anchoring myself and adjusting course every day, every hour with the word of God, then I will, and you can count on it, you will too, fall further and further from God. Because if we, now this, this is what this verse really means. The heart is deep, deceitful above all things. Here's why that's true. Because the heart thinks it can figure itself out. 
<laughs> you see that? The heart thinks it's got it all in control. The heart says, hey, I don't need no help. I'm good. The heart says, hey, uh, you know, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm ready to go to lunch. Uh, whatever you guys do, have fun in the Bible and spending your t- little time in prayer and singing. The heart wants to be the one in charge that calls the shots, that says, this is right, that's wrong. What we have got to understand is that's not the job of the heart in order to come out with a true answer. To have a real understanding of your heart. And for me to have a real understanding of my heart, I have to go to verse 10. Everybody watch with me. Come on now. Verse 10 says, I, the Lord... Search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So that verse right there, if you will understand right alongside my desperate try and plea for us all to understand together today, we've got to say, heart, heart, you are desperately wicked. Heart, you will only lead me into further bias and further pride and further struggle and further pain. You'll only lead me further from reality and truth. The, The word of God is here today as an anchor for us all to look back into and say, God, help me to peel away layers of pride and I mean it'll peel away layers of of a bias and layers of the things that I've allowed to accumulate in my life and I Lord I want to be you I want you to be searching my heart and I want you Lord Jesus to be my Lord and my God and my own heart can never rule itself that's what it's got to come down to have you ever wondered have you ever wondered what you really look like Imagine in the days before mirrors. Imagine. Imagine walking up to somebody, what they would look like. If you see them, you're like, my word, have you not looked in a mirror in a long time? Well, what is a mirror? I never heard that word before. Imagine that. Would it be kind of hard to stay in love with your spouse? You're like, man, what are those little white dots all over your face? Popping out. Got a little blood dripping here. and You got whiskers. Woo, honey, you need to look in the mirror. What is a mirror? It's just shocking to think there was a day when there was really no understanding. So, you know, reflective, I guess reflective ponds could potentially show your image. You could, as long as the wind's not blowing and it's calm enough, you could kind of see what you look like. But it's impossible to know what you look like without external reflection. It's impossible. What do I look like to others? How do you know? Well, we'll hold up a phone. How many of you have ever seen somebody go to selfie mode and comb their hair and, you know, fix themselves with the, you know, the selfie mode of a camera? Well, that's just an external reflection. When you see pictures of yourself, you're like, really, I look like that? Photoshop me out. I'm always like, man, there I am with my sweetheart, beauty and the beast. Praise God. That's about the best explanation I can give you right there. I rather, I'm just glad I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud to be able to be with her, and I'm thankful. But bottom line is, you, you folks, we, we don't know what we look like at all without external reflection. There has to be an external reflection that shows what you look like. Are your glasses crooked? Is your hair sticking out? Do you have nose hairs coming out? It's embarrassing when we're not careful looking in the mirror because then we walk up to a mirror and we're like, what? People have been looking at me like that all day. Why didn't they tell me? I thought they were my friends. Don't you love it when you have a friend who's close enough to walk up with a napkin and go, thank you. Yeah, got a little cilantro between your teeth. Looking ugly. Lick it off. Lord, I thank God for external... Reflection. Now, folks, there is no better, there is no more ultimate ability to really see you than through God's eyes. That's why when we have the Holy Spirit, we are given the ability to walk right, talk right, and adjust our course on a daily basis. The power that works in you 
can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. That power doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from your intellect. It doesn't come from yourself. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the gift given on the day of Pentecost. Now, I'm getting excited here. Just let me back up a little bit and say, imagine something you do not know. How many of you can imagine something you do not know right now? Can you imagine something you do not know? Like, what is the gender of my grandbaby? We don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know. Can y'all think of something you don't know? And if you can't think of anything you don't know, you're a pretty powerful person. Okay, then what's the temperature in Nova Scotia Central right now? Yeah. Where's it snowing in the world? There's a lot of stuff we don't know. Think about it. But now, shift gears. I want you to imagine something that you don't know and imagine that that, that something is you. Is it possible not to really know yourself? Not to see yourself? Is it possible to be blind to yourself? Lost self-awareness is found self-blindness. So, to lose the sense of sight is called blindness, right? To be blind is when what others see is lost for your own knowledge. You don't see it. That's blindness. To lose sight of oneself and no longer be able to see what others see brings a critical question. Here it is. Whose sight is really right? Who can reveal? Who can enlighten? Who sees the truth about you at the deepest level? Psalm 139, 23 is my cry today, and I want to invite you all to make this your cry. There's only one true, adequate, ultimate mirror. And if you would, let's read it together. Can I get you just to get into a, a little bit of a posture of prayer with me right now? And let's read it together. What does it say? Search me. Come on, this is not just me preaching to you. You guys are helping me. We're all in this together. This is, a, this is more of a dialogue interaction. This can't be just a lecture. I'm not just doing a TED Talk up here. You're in this with me. We're in this together. All right, are y'all ready? I want everybody together, youngest to oldest, everybody. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me, Lord, and know my thoughts. And Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Is that your prayer? Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me. And that word, know my thoughts, the last word of verse 23, it says, know my thoughts. And that's what, I've, well, that's what I've read in the King James all my life. But you know what? If you study into the layer under it of the language that was original, the Hebrew, the word actually says, know my anxieties. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, the things that cause my blood pressure to go up, the things that cause me to get red in the face, the things that cause me to lose sleep at night. Lord, don't be the one who is at a distance. I want you to be up close and personal. Would you search me? Would you search me? And Lord, if there's anything wicked in me, if there's any way that's wicked, lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 26.2, I could go on all day. These verses just don't end. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my heart and my mind. So, I have to stop right here and put up a big sign that says, Beware. Beware. To be made truly aware of oneself is to experience agony. You won't be proud of what you find. Now, see, this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where we divert paths. Because a lot of you are like, what, who, what are you talking, you talking to me? I'm not going to like what I find out. Oh, man, I'm good. I'm great. I'm pretty perfect. Man, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian, and I'm, and I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm American. I, say, I know my Pledge of Allegiance by heart. I'm good. So, so I'm great. Let's just go. But no, no, no. Let's go a level deeper to really be made 
aware. That's the word right here, awareness. A lot of us are like, no, 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 thank you. I'll just stay with agnosognosia because ignorance is bliss. Yes, true. There are a lot of blissful people that are going to be swept along the broad way that leads to hell because they just simply chose self-blindness. They chose to be unaware. But to be truly aware of yourself is to experience agony. And I'm going to tell you it is pure agony because the true self is ugly, it's messed up, it's riddled with self. (laughs) You hear me? It's riddled with self. I mean, it's like bullet holes all in it. It's like self-absorption here and self-exaltation there and self-condemnation there and selfishness everywhere. The things we hate in others. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't, don't talk to me about that, Brother Heyman. No, I think I'd be good. Let's talk about other people. No, let's talk about us. Can I tell you, I said, I want to talk about me. I want to pray you to pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you. And together we're going to say, God, we are not going to be people who are caught up in the tide of the world that puts myself first without examining the God of the universe who has given me power within me. And then I will never put myself first. I will put him first. So this causes us to come to a place of complete prostration before the Lord. And we say, God, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, Lord. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I can do nothing without you. I am completely at a complete agony is taking over me. That is what happens when we truly are given ability to look at the true you. Be careful if you ask for true self-awareness apart help from God because it brings pain of deepest proportions. Who can know the human heart, mind, and soul? We know that only God can. So I, I, have a, I have an example for you. If you're with me right now, and if I, was, I think if I was sitting there where you are, I'd be saying, Brother Heyman, could you give us an example? I want to really make sure I'm on track. Okay, hope this helps. There were two sons. One of them thought to himself, you know what, I'm too big for this house. I'm too big for my father and my brother. I'm too big for all these plans they have laid out for me. I'm too much. I got too much to do. I got too much life to live. I really have a big world out there that I'm missing. Hey, Father, divide into me the part of my inheritance. Thinking of himself as being someone who was ready to tackle the world. Someone who did not need anybody's help. Just wanted to take his inheritance and go. Do you know the story? Of the prodigal son who did just that? And the prodigal son, the Bible says, when he had taken all his father had given him, and he had blown it up, he had burned it to the ground, he had completely, with boisterous living, he had caused it to come to zero. And now he was hungry. And now he came to a place where he's so hungry, he can't even get a job down at 7-Eleven. So you know what he's got to do? He's got to figure out maybe, maybe if I can just go into this pig pen where there's pigs in there, if I can join them and maybe give them a little bit of food, I can maybe get the farmer to notice me because I'm so hungry. And in fact, I'm so hungry, what are they feeding the pigs? Look at that pork chop. There's still some left on that bone. Woo! Until the point comes where he's like, what am I doing? There's a moment in time, and Jesus tells us the story for a reason. There's a moment in time where there is a mirror that clicks on in this man's mind. There's a mirror that suddenly shines in front of himself. And he says, wow, uh, when, when, when I'm just here in this dusty, this dirty, stinky place with these pigs in there, I got mud between my toes and mud all the way up to my knees. What am I doing here? I am the son of an important man. I am a son of someone who has so much more to offer than this. Uh, and he suddenly Suddenly, the Bible says in verse 17 of Luke 15, he came to himself. Woo! This was a point where agony had to be confronted and a realization had to take over. And suddenly revelation shined on his heart. It was like a lightning bolt in the middle of the darkest night. And he recognized how many of my father's hired servants have plenty of bread and they have enough to spare. And they have a roof over their head and they have a clean place to live. And look where I am. I perish with hunger. There is is a better way. 
that revelation overwhelmed him. He could have turned to suicidal thoughts. He could have turned to deepest depression and gone and tried to find a doctor, try to give him some medicine. Maybe he could have turned to booze or shots. Could have turned to, but he didn't have anything left. He was done. He could have turned to thievery, stealing. But Jesus tells us a story with this very important point that he came to himself. This is a point of confrontation that I was mentioning at the beginning of this message. Folks, there's only one way to know if someone has gained a glimpse of self. There's only one way to know if someone has true self-awareness. You know what it is? It's manifested in a baptism of overwhelming self-disgust. I believe this prodigal son had to come to a place where he was disgusted with himself. He was disgusted with his choices. He was disgusted with life that he had lived and the losses he had sustained and he was embarrassed and disgusted all along disgusted all along and at this moment in time he realizes with this revelation hey I've been wrong all along but I don't have to stay this way the most important confrontation with a lack of self-awareness in your entire Bible is not the prodigal son. That's a good one. Now let me show you. Let me show you. I want everybody to watch this, okay? Most important confrontation with a lack of self-awareness. People absorbed in their own thoughts, absorbed in their own agenda, absorbed in their lives, and what they think is right, they're doing it, regardless of what anybody else says, is found in your Second chapter of the book of Acts, verse 36. Can we read it together, Acts 2, 36? Peter is preaching, kind of like me up here, but way better preaching. You'd have really been sitting there like happy if he was preaching today. Because he was preaching as the first preacher after resurrection. And Peter is asked, what's happening why is there so much noise? Why are you looking so drunk? What is going on? Peter is clarified in the record as saying these words. Therefore, let you and all who are in my audience, the house of Israel, know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom, looking down his finger into their faces and pointing at them. This Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. They could have run to their doctors. They could have tried to get some, some pills. They could have turned around and gone and tried to, try to get a therapist. <laughs> they could have turned away and said, I ain't want to have nothing to do with those people. But you know what? They are heroes today because of their, their answer to this confrontation. And I'm hoping somebody here today is willing to say, God, I want to be a hero when it comes to confrontation. Whenever the Bible tells me I'm wrong and all along I've been thinking I was right. Oh, yeah, I'm hammering nails in this guy's hands. Yeah, and I'm saying crucify him, crucify him. It's because I have a duty to honor my nation and I have a duty to honor all the, the, the Old Testament and I have a duty to honor Moses and so I'm just going to keep pounding nails and I'm going to keep screaming obscenities in his face and I'm going to keep plucking the beard and I'm going to keep, keep smashing the crown of thorns upon his head and I'm going to keep screaming out with joy that he's dying and I'm watching him die as, the, as, that, as that spear pierces through his side and into his lung and causes blood and water to come out and I think to myself wow done. We're done. We killed the most menacing person on the planet. He was about to destroy our nation. Now what's all that noise I hear going on down there in that upper room? Let's go find out. Can you imagine Brother Theodore getting looked at in the face by Peter and Peter saying, that guy you killed has been made Lord and Christ. You just killed the Messiah. Can you imagine what you'd do? How many of you would be like, 
Uh, can we talk about this a minute? Maybe we should form a subcommittee and decide if this is true or not. What to do with this accusation? No, no, no. Folks, I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit was upon Peter. And when Peter was preaching the words, Peter was given the words that Jesus had already spoken to him. In fact, Peter heard with his own ears Jesus pray for those who would believe on him, Jesus, through his word. And so Peter no doubt knew he needed to be sure that he was not mincing Jesus' words. He was not filtering Jesus' words, but he was bringing them out pure and clear without any, without any, 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 uh, any uh, ambiguity for sure, and without a lot of fluff, none of it. In fact, let's just go straight to the point. And he told him, you crucified Jesus. So these people, under introspection illusion and under the delusion of self-propriety and that everything's fine, what does the Bible say in verse number 37. Woo! When they heard this, when they heard this, that's when they realized I cannot keep going down this path. I can't keep thinking that everything's okay anymore. I can't keep thinking tomorrow's going to be a turnaround and the nation of Israel's going to get stronger. No, I am coming to a stop right now. There is something that was just spoken and in my ears it was a confrontation and I recognize right now that there's something that I am responsible for. So I thank God for the day of Pentecost and I thank God for those on the day of Pentecost who were willing to take responsibility and were willing to fall to their knees and say, men and brethren, Hey, uh, what shall we do? This is the ultimate solution to the problem of delusion, brothers and sisters. It is to come to Jesus and say, Lord, what am I missing? Uh, Lord, forgive me for my lack of insight. Uh, Lord Jesus, open my eyes and don't let me be guilty of being sick and not knowing I'm sick. They were completely unaware of their evil deed, friends. But proclamation of God's word zeroed in on their lack of awareness. And they became agonizingly aware. And it created a winnowing effect. There were mockers there. There were doubters there. But thank God a significant number of spectators were transformed by the shock of seeing their real selves. Can I tell you today, it's possible that you have walked down a path that has been displeasing to the Lord, and there's a possibility that a little pride has been varnished upon your life, and you maybe haven't even known it. Can I just tell you right here, right now, I serve a God who says, whosoever will, let him come unto me. Whosoever will, I love you. I want you to have a chance to be right where you should be. I don't want anybody to lost. I'm not willing that and he should perish. And this is where it gets interesting, friends. This is where it gets interesting because most people who get to this point recoil. Like they touched an electric fence. They're like, what? It's too much to take in. So the natural thing to do is retreat to the comfort of self-blindness and just keep going through the motions. Keep acting like you're okay. But here, I'd like to give you this passage, folks. I feel the Spirit of God moving in the sanctuary right now. Somebody's about to fall under the presence of God and the power of God. If you'll let him right now, he'll fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you don't have his Spirit, then I want to tell you today is your day. Can I tell you this is my verse right here for, for this moment. I don't think we can retreat when we read these words. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. God, whether I want you to know me or not, you still do. It's not even me being willing to to open up to you, you already know. What a hypocrite I could be, acting like everything's okay and acting like I've done nothing and acting like I'm just perfect and like I'm the kind of worshiper, like I'm the, I'm the kind of participator and I'm the kind of involved saint of God I should be when I know good and well that he knows I am not really where I should be. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it 
altogether. You have hedged me in behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. And here's the verse right here. Such knowledge is too awesome, terrifying, filled with wonder for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So friends in this sanctuary right now, there are some who are just like, thank you, Pastor. We're good. I'm ready to get on. I'm ready to continue my life the way I was doing before I came to this service this morning. But there are a few here today I'm going to just say, why not let godly sorrow, true repentance, like happened on the day of Pentecost when they were crushed, they were pricked in their hearts. Why not let there be a fresh wave of a heart prickening word today, regardless of whether you're in the front or the back or the balcony, that there be a place in our hearts and lives right now we come to a crossroads. Can you see it if you close your eyes? I'm standing at a crossroads. I can be crushed in this knowledge that God has been watching me all along, or I can just be proud and arrogant and raise my head and say, don't mess with me, I'm good. But that doesn't change the fact that God has been completely aware, even in the middle of our blindness. And what really blows me away is this, he still loves. <laughs> Here's my challenge, bro brothers and sisters. Why don't we be an uncommon crowd today and lock in to willingness to live in front of the ultimate mirror. Alter our course and repent of what has been off course. Repent of what has been sidetracked. COVID-19 and the pandemic has taken a lot of us away from our prayer time and a lot of us from devotion and consecration. But I want to tell you something. It's today. Today's the day for us to come back and say, God, I want you to know that I'm not going to keep acting like everything's okay anymore. I know it's not. So, God, I'm going to come and look into the perfect law of liberty, and I'm going to continue in it, Lord. In Jesus' name.